Rachel, and as always, I'm joined by my wife and the love of my life, Allie. Hey everyone! We're here! Woo! We got really excited when the trailer got dropped today. We took breaks together in the middle of our day because it was like... Well, it was my lunch break. It was 9 PST is 12 Eastern time, which is the standard lunch hour. Yes. I took a break to watch the trailer. Allie works weird hours. This should surprise no one. Yeah. But yeah, we were we're really excited. And so like the first thing that we did was we were like, we are pulling out the podcast equipment. We are going to do this today, which is very aggressive. Yeah, today is Wednesday. Yeah, today is Wednesday. But Wednesday, April 6th. I like that you like looked at something to double check that it was Wednesday. No, I knew it was You don't Wednesday. even know what day it is. No, I knew it was Wednesday, but I wasn't sure what number date it was. Oh, good. It's exactly a month before. Season two. Before season two was released. Which we are really, really excited before. It has been a really long off season. Uh, yeah, I had to like blow dust off of these mics. I sneezed twice. It was a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, do you want to get into it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, what episode are we talking about today, Allie? We are not talking about an episode today, Rachel. Oh. Um, we are talking about the season two trailer, which was released today. So one minute and 56 seconds of pure joy and excitement. Yeah. So because we still have time to go, we just wanted to kind of like come in and share. We've theorized. We've watched it probably about the same amount of times as we watched episodes before. 17, we kept a tally. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, we just wanted to talk about it because, I don't know, it's been a kind of weird off season, but I felt today like all this renewed excitement and enjoyment and, you know. I love like the way that off season rolls out of your mouth is so funny because it's like, what are you, a hockey player? Like, (laughs) yeah, we've been taking care of our bodies, taking care of our bodies this whole off season. We've been limbering up. Yeah. Sitting a lot on the couch, making sure there's some nice divots for when the season comes back. Yeah, I've been, work, I've been working my brain, you know, I'm like ready to go. <laughs> um, so we always start off with a little bit of a spoiler content and language warning. So spoiler wise, this is just about the trailer. There are no spoilers, but I think I should tell all you, we are aware that there was content that was spoiled over the break. We have not been spoiled. It is more miraculous for me than it is for Rachel. It took a lot of very, like, concentrated effort on my part to not be spoiled. Rachel just kind of continued on with her day-to-day life. And uh, it was not it's not difficult for her to to remain unspoiled. For me, on the other hand, it was it was a little bit complicated. It's a minefield out there. Yes. And so if you have been spoiled, please yeah. keep me unspoiled in my unspoiled bubble for the next like month. month. A fun fact about Allie is that Allie reads the last sentence or the last paragraph of every mm-hmm. book that you read just to like just make to... sure it turns out okay. Yeah. Otherwise, I get too much anxiety in the middle. Yeah. So <laughs> I get really concerned that it's going to turn out really badly. And I just I just can't uh, I just can't handle it. I, too, am proud of you. Honestly, it's going to be a really hard to give Deserted Island Partner of the Week this episode. Obviously. But I'd like to maybe put yourself forward for contention. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you are eligible, I would like to nominate you for Deserted Island Partner of the Week. I take the nomination with a lot of respect and grace and honor. I'm honored. Okay, a good thing you took it with grace and honor because you're, it's just a nomination at this yeah. point. Like we haven't, <laughs> we haven't to you. No one has said that I've actually won. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. Um, back to what I was actually talking about, which was our spoiler content and language warning. I talked about spoilers. Um, content-wise, 
It's a trailer. I think we're fine. I don't need to give any content warnings for this. But we might talk about things from season one. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. So there could be still mature themes. All right. There still might be some mature themes in there. Uh, And then language-wise, we swear. We're going to swear. Um, And it's why we always put that little E explicit. It's funny because I haven't done any of this in a long time, but it's all coming back to me. Like all the things that I say. Just goes right into it. Yeah, just goes right into it. But that's why we put that little E on for the explicit warning because... We like to swear sometimes. Just comes out. Just comes out. Yeah, nothing to do about it. Um, But yeah, with all of that, I think maybe like, let's just get into it. All right. Well, let's start with picking up where we left off. So in the trailer, a lot happens, of course, and it's not as easy to do the arcs as we often do. And so instead of trying to organize it in this like super methodical way, We've just wanted to really pick up the conversation where we left the girls on the island, which was the shark attack. I just love the word shark attack. It just makes me really... It's what I wrote in my notebook too. I wrote shark attack. Yeah. Also, Allie's notes are so funny because like if you look through them, Allie just has like a stream of consciousness in response (laughs) to the trailer. I took notes. I made them thematic as I went. Allie's has just like a stream of consciousness, but there's a real range in font sizes depending on the excitement. <laughs> also, that's how you know how old we are. We like take handwritten notes. Yeah. I, t- I typed them once, but anyways. Yeah, it would be way easier if we had them typed because then I could like run them through in vivo, do a quick thematic analysis at my beck and call as opposed to this like paper shit. Language. Sorry. <laughs> Um, But anyways, let's talk about that shark attack. So first thing I would like to say is this is the instance where Rachel loses her hand, it seems. I know there, yeah, there was a little bit of like, oh, maybe she doesn't actually lose her hand in the shark attack. And, you know, maybe that's not the direction. This is the direction. I would also like to say there's a lot of people talking about um, CGI and how they were going to do CGI for Rachel's missing hand. And the entire time I was like, no, this isn't a thing. They're just going to bandage it. Like they're not going to CGI her hand missing like every single scene. They're just going to wrap it in something. I would like to say, (laughs) based on this trailer, I am correct. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) am I diminishing my chances of winning Deserted Yes. (laughs) And also, (laughs) respectfully, we have like, I don't know, how many hours of podcast content? Like 30 hours or something? Yeah, it's something insane like that. You know, so like, so like, listen to me, like, you didn't say that once in the podcast. You have no proof that says, well, I felt this way. I was just always like, friends, this isn't what's going on. Okay. You were always like that? I was always whom? like that. Never mind. I don't want to get into this. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, I was trying to knock you down a few pegs. You got nominated for one thing. <laughs> Went straight to my head. Um, So it does seem like this is the instance where Rachel is going to lose her hand. And so there's a bunch of different things that we kind of see in this scene. We see Dot at a later point in the trailer heating up an axe because she's going to cauterize the wound and or sterilize the axe. I'm not sure how into the kind of woods wound care we're going to get into this, um, but kind of getting to sort of prep and get ready for that. Something, though, that's interesting um, that I thought is when you see Dot kind of crouched by the fire, um, it sort of pans over to the other girls uh, who are all holding Rachel down. However, there's one person who's not there, which is Leah. Oh, because she's in the pit. No, she came back at the end oh, of the yeah. right? At season not one. In the pit. She marched onto the island. Oh, yeah. She was marching. Yeah. She's like all Frankenstein-y walk a yes. little bit too. It was very spooky. And I was like, oh shit. Um, but anyways, Leah's not there because there's two girls on one side, two girls on the other. And then we know where Dot and Rachel are. Um, but Leah's not there. So I think it like brings up the question of 
did Leah sort of take off when everything happened? Um, we know she's like not well at the end of season one and she's not feeling well at the end of season one too, right? Yeah, and I, I still kind of wonder, I have, this is something that I have kind of made posts about and things with people. Okay, so something you've actually been <laughs> doing. So I can actually be held publicly accountable to. Okay, good, just second. Um, but like, I still wonder if Martha's actually going to be the person who cuts off Rachel's hand. I know Dot's like heating up the axe. She's getting ready to go. I just think the place that we leave Dot at the end of season one is like not a great place. She's not feeling well. She's just not doing well, if you remember. And so I do kind of wonder if it like if Dot is going to be able to pull it together enough to do something like that. <laughs> Out of context, I wonder if Martha's going to be the one to chop off Rachel's hand is like, why? Like, you're making her sound like an axe murderer. No, but I think, like, Martha... you have publicly posted about that, you yeah. axe murderer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, like, Martha's just coming off the goat kill, right? And she's mm. coming off this kind of, like, turn. There's some... She's clearly not doing great. She's going through some stuff. And I could see Dot uh, hesitate to do it and Martha just to take the axe and do it. Part of me is, like, I feel like Dot can do it. And the reason being is it is a parallel or it would be a parallel to her providing the morphine for her dad in those last minutes. She was the one that was able to do that and still has, like, that dependability to her core and that level of care to her core. Dot, throughout the rest of the trailer, is not doing well. You see a couple instances where, like, she's leaning against the tree. And similarly, when, like, it looks like they're on top of the hill when tony is talking about how they could hear them but not when you could see them dot again doesn't look well she's like off to the side and so i think there might be something to that but i wouldn't be surprised if it is dot that does pull through but what i would say is you would think that if dot was able to do it it would almost be a bit of like a catharsis for her though right because on the flip side if you're thinking about her and tim like her doing that led to her dad passing away right and there was like a helping element to it but on the other hand like using that knowledge to help someone survive you think might be a bit of a cathartic moment to her and then but also think about if dot who ties her self-value so closely to utility so if she wasn't able to do this thing that they all expected her to be able to do would that hurt her as well well i think it's a great point and there's a parallel to martha in there too so I like what you're saying in terms of if this goes the same as what happened to her dad, like she gave the morphine her dad passed, is she worried that if she chops off Rachel's arm, she's going to pass? But I think it's also a really interesting parallel to Martha and the goat because there might be a catharsis in there for Martha where she just had to kill something for survival. But if she's able to use a weapon again, essentially, and save something, it might be cathartic for her and help close that circle for her because she's not in a good place right now i like that it's also interesting because it's like who gets the cathartic moment right like Mm -hmm. who gets like that moment of of movement of forward progression but my all my bets are on daughter martha that's it i don't think fatten's doing it i don't think tony's doing it i don't think shelby's doing it although i mean shelby i mean hunter Hunter. yeah 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 i feel that i feel that yeah Um, let's set the odds at martha and dot then Shelby, then the rest of them. Yeah, I don't. I would be. I would be shocked if Fatten took the axe and just did it. Because Shelby was also like a Tony when Tony wasn't doing well. She took the initiative with that. With too. the pill too. There right. was other stuff going on there too, which might not be the case for her and Rachel. All right. So next, we're going to switch gears and talk about our favorites, 
but also somebody that occasionally we get told is our least favorite, Leah Rilke. And I actually have her monologue here to read out loud to center the discussion on our favorite, least favorite, favorite character. I've got a great story for you. Once upon a time, two plane crashes were staged. All of the victims were dosed and stranded on two islands. Eight on one, eight on the other, though that number was subject to change. First of all, I just want to say, <laughs> there were nine. I know. And Why you know, are we always talking about eight? I know, and everyone's always really focused on the eight. And I think it's a really interesting angle for Leah to take, because seemingly at this point in time, she knows that there's two islands. So it's definitely obviously happening like where she knows that Nora is a confederate. So it's interesting that she discounts Lynn as a part of their original group, but she counts still Nora. And it drives me crazy because I love Lynn. Yeah, if Lynn is not, if if she is not back, <laughs> I'm going to be we'll flip so a table. mad. I love Chi. It's a weird thing where, you know, Lynn's death is so traumatic or Jeanette's death is so traumatic for them on day one and it really underlines like the severity of being on the island but then in so many ways it's like they forget it and but I would say the person who least forgets it is Leah unless the thing is is she's saying eight and she's counting Lynn and not counting Nora because we know that she had a lot of skepticism about Lynn and she was like why are there two phones and all of these other pieces but we know that she's gotten hard evidence that Nora is a part of something bigger and is a part of a bigger scheme. Anyways, it's nine. It is nine. And I also want to say, we also took a look at the season one trailer and I'll talk more about this later because there's some neat parallels. And if you haven't rewatched the season one trailer, take a look at them, look at them side by side because they are interesting in the ways they're similar and different. But Leah also has a really prominent voiceover in the season one trailer, and it makes good sense. She's the central main character. But a lot of what she says in the monologue in the in the trailer is from episode one. And so I'm interested if in the season two trailer, if the monologue, if it is actually something she says out loud somewhere, oh. or if it's like an internal monologue, if it comes early in episode one. Or if it's just a voiceover they recorded for the trailer. Yeah. So that's the thing I'm curious about. I think there's a lot of interesting things that happen with Leah in the trailer. She gets like a really great spotlight on her, which is really nice. There's a series of scenes we see maybe like, I don't know, two or three flashes of it. That's sort of like an overhead camera shot of Leah in the water. And it's, yeah, it's, it's different than anything that we've kind of seen, right? And my first thought was, I think it's a dream Me sequence. Me too. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I think it's a dream sequence because Leah's like very clean face she doesn't have that kind of like wind burned sort of thing going on she's also in the dress that she wore uh, when she met jeffrey at the hotel yes okay good you also confirmed that excellent 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 um there's some other things we see in this at one point she's it looks like she's sitting or is on a wing of a plane um with a man in a suit and then they sort of tip it and fall i think it's jeff do you think it's jeff i do think it's jeff it would make sense in a dream sequence it's like a it's a bit of a weird one because it's it's a it's a regression for leah right and she's kind of a funny character like that and we've talked about this a lot in season one where you see her take a bunch of steps forward mm. but then you see her take a bunch back right so like when she burned the book we were all like this is a great moment for leah she's moving forward like but then she was still sad about jeff later on and so she's uh she doesn't have a linear sort of path forward i guess is what i'm trying to say the books though floating in the water in the dream sequence is just like 
50 copies of Jeff's book. So it could be that there was another plane crash that was distributing his book only, or... What? No. <laughs> it could be a dream sequence. <laughs> That's not real. I just want to, like, get rid of other possibilities, you know? I just want to slowly discount the theory to get to the one that makes the most sense. But it's kind of like a weird dream slash nightmare thing, and I think there's going to be an interesting parallel with it and Martha's dream that we saw, where it's taking something about the crash and kind of twisting it in a way that's really tied up with their experience and their fears. Um, but I'm interested to see, we, we talked a lot about Lynn being in that scene and how it was like Lynn was trying to tell Martha something and how difficult it can be to interpret dreams in that way. So what is the kind of meaning of this dream with Jeff and the, the tying with Jeff? Because we theorized that Alex is in Martha's dream because Martha's subconsciously putting together that there's something potentially wrong there or something about Alex that didn't fit and about Lynn that didn't fit but so with Leah seeing the plane crash and Jeffrey being there what is the piece that that is trying to tell her or is she just hallucinating and not doing well it's another option there too yeah well we know that there's a piece with Jeff he's intricately connected to the experiment because he was the one that she called and so there's something there and more than that there's two other things I want to say one when they leave the wing together i do think it's jeff when they leave the wing together i'm wondering if that is like the culmination in the same way that that parallel is with martha and jeanette when jeanette screams like if Mm. he says to her like fall back with me or something and that's the culmination so that i'm going to theorize that but the second piece is that later in the trailer as well as i think you also see it in like the quick snippets in the beginning i can't remember But you see Leah on the beach walking with someone in a suit, but at that time she's not in the dress. And so I'm wondering if, again, it's part of the dream. It looks like it is the same person in a suit. Doesn't look like Faber or like See, I kind of thought it was Dan. Oh, I don't think it looks like Dan. Oh. But it could be. But she's in like, she's in her island clothes. Yeah. But maybe it's like a continuation if she is having hallucinations or something like that. Yeah, I will interesting. S- yeah, I will say one thing that's interesting too about Jeff's connection to the experiment is that um, someone said in an interview over the off season, <laughs> I just can't, I can't say it now, um, over the hiatus, over the in-between season period, um, that the person who referred Leah into the experiment was her guidance counselor, or, or, or not her guidance counselor, her English teacher, which is the person who introduces Leah to Jeff at the book talk, right? That's the person who says, can you drive Jeff back to his hotel? I have to grade a bunch of papers or whatever. So there is some sort of like weird network thing that's happening there. I don't know if Jeff maybe necessarily like knows about the experiment, but there has, like there are connections there that exist. Well, it goes back to the birth certificate too, right? Like he was exposed likely because of that experiment and someone sent him the birth certificate when the assumption is maybe it was Gretchen we're getting ready or we're amping up to go on another um Leah questioning reality sort of train in season two it looks like as well man when she drops to the ground and it's just and I was like so they filled the pit I was like can you even imagine Leah's talking about Nora who is potentially has drowned and saying that Nora is the spy and then says, here, I'll take you. I'll prove it to you. I'll show you the pit. And then to come back there and the entire thing is filled. Like, I just can't. I mean, we're Avid Oak Island fans. And so <laughs> I don't know if I would advertise that. You, you can like <laughs> fill in things quite quickly, yes. I guess. With the proper equipment. Yes. But they're not bringing like bulldozers onto the island. I mean, I think there's like a little bit in here 
a little bit of like a question was the shark attack just about once again going with the theory that Nora is still alive was the shark attack just about Nora being extracted or was it also trying to be used as a distraction right so if all of the stuff is happening with Rachel on the island there's the shark attack Nora's missing they're trying to find her is that like the space where they could do things like remove the cameras and fill the pit without anyone realizing what's happening? Well, and it makes sense because if you think about Audrey, <laughs> who we will talk about later because you just see a glint of her gold earrings in a quick scene. And I know, I know that that was put in there exclusively for me. Thank you, Amazon. Quick, Audrey. I, I see you. I hear you. I appreciate you. Sorry, I got so into Audrey. I have no idea what my train of thought was. Oh, um, when you think about that conversation between Audrey and Gretchen, when they talk about the boats being unavailable, I think we've talked a little bit about thinking, oh, maybe that's because of the boys experiment and the meeting for the boys. But if your theory of was it about extraction or was it also a distraction also makes sense because they would need boats for the bulldozers, obviously. Uh, but they would need boats to be able to like do the bunch of the island stuff and do that like distraction y stuff on the island, but also for the sharks, but also for Nora's extraction, etc. 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 Yeah, I think I'm I feel like they're happening concurrently. Like I think when we see um that scene when Gretchen's walking through like the hallway or whatever and they're she's like order the boats and like they're going to do, I think they're taking the boys in. I was really into the theory that someone posted that the boys island happened like back in the 90s and it was like in the past and things but obviously in the trailer we see we, we see the interactions right and so while i loved the theory of the pit was originally there from the boys and like they're using the exact same island based on her monologue too seems like maybe it's two islands um concurrently happening I think that's probably right, but I refuse to be. But I think that, <laughs> but I don't like it, <laughs> and I refuse to be wrong about this because I don't know if they knew it when they filmed season one what they were going to do. Yeah. So I don't think no one's wrong here. No, no one's wrong. That's what I'm saying. I think there's there's some other questions. I mean, I have some logistical questions about the filling of the pit. I.e., in order to fill a pit, you have to have a bunch of dirt. <laughs> Where did the dirt come from? That's how you fill a pit, right? Yep. See, okay. Yeah. See, yeah, you, you just were <laughs> mad that I outed us as Oak Island fans, but like, how else would you know that? Because I filled a pit in before. Oh, <laughs> sorry. So you are also a murderer. <laughs> yes. Um, cool, 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 cool. But you know, if the question is, is like, if they're filling in the pit to make Leah unbelievable and to make Leah once again kind of re-question her reality and re-question the things that she knows is true or the things that she believes, right? So similar to her goldfish story, the questioning of, of that gut feeling or that gut knowing that she has, it only makes sense for them to do that if they're leaving the girls there long term. And so I know in season one, we talked a bit about how healed Rachel's hand was and like that would only happen if they were on the island long term or in the bunker long term. But I think the expense, the work, the risk of filling in the pit and things like that, it's not like going and taking a camera out of a tree. It's a its a pretty big endeavor to take on. You would only do that if you really needed this to go on long term. Mm -hmm. If it was another week, you probably could have been like the, Leah, you fell in the pit. What are you talking about? You imagine Nora, yada, 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 yada. But I think like it speaks to that sort of like longer term plan of the experiment yeah i mean i think i think it's interesting just thinking about that more broadly in the context of the experiment because we talked a lot in season one about the number of interventions the folks have had oh yeah in the experiment that like make you question if it is a natural experiment 
But on the other hand, like, a good number of their interventions are, like, getting rid of their fuck-ups. It goes back to experiment design in a nutshell. Anyways, it looks like it's going to be quite a ride for Leah this season, so... Buckle up. I can't wait. Girl, we're ready. So switching gears into the rest of the girls, where do you want to start, honey? I don't want to start with anyone. I want to say, and this is one of those things that I wrote in giant letters across my notebook, they finally go to the fucking woods. That was a reoccurring narrative for us is why they stayed on the beach when there was no shelter on the beach. It was a terrible place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We see many scenes of them in the woods and I'm like, thank God. Yeah, I mean, if we're thinking about like maybe things that they changed in the trailer and in the season because of our advocacy efforts. <laughs> our advocacy I efforts. I would say that is probably number one and Audrey being in the trailer is closely behind. I mean, it, Rachel did immediately recognize Audrey and I said, how do you know that that's Audrey? And she said, I know. Well, yes. I know. And it's also just like the glint of the gold hoops. Mm-hmm. You just know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was, I was very happy to see them. I'm very happy to see a location change for them that seems like in line with what would be smart to do in that situation. Something that really resonated with me and is an early contender for next year's Halloween costume is Dot wearing the retired sash. That's a look and the I'm retiree here for it. sash, which yeah. is one of those things where I have a hard time with some of these scenes, and I will know when we get to the season. Especially with us knowing that that scene with Leah is likely a dream sequence. Wondering if some of these are dream sequences as well. Because they also have a cake and sparklers. It's a sand cake. Is it a sand cake? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a legit chocolate cake. No, and no. I was like, where I did made, you get this? I made a cake I'm like, Gretchen, last night. Gretchen, I know what a real cake looks like. <laughs> I'm like, Gretchen, you can't just drop these things off on the island. Okay. No, it's a tiered sand cake. It's decorated with shells. <laughs> okay. My apologies. There are like other things that you can question. Like there are like bottles, I think. Well, there's also the retiree sash. Where did they get the retiree sash? Fatten had it, obviously. She's retiring from her childhood. It would kind of be like a fun thing for Fatten to just have taken in her suitcase (laughs) along with her. Can you imagine Fatten at a dollar store party aisle? (laughs) Like she'd be getting everything. Just everything in the cart. (laughs) That's true. I guess that makes sense. I I was like, Gretchen, you can't just drop cakes off. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sand cake. Yeah, I think Fatten just throughout the entire, I guess maybe we can start with Fatten, just throughout the entire um, trailer is just like a queen mom the whole time. Just like very classic Fatten, just coaching people and having like heart to hearts with them. And just, I don't know, it's just, I was just so excited to have Fatten back. There is a weird moment though, um, at one point where she sort of says that she's done with someone. And I mean, the question for me is who is she's done with? I mean, it could be Leah, but also, like, I don't know. I don't think it's Leah. I don't think it's Leah either. And the reason I say that is because I watched it in 0.25 times speed. And when she says I'm done with her, you could just see the silhouette of Leah's nose and forehead creep out. And I feel like it would be rude to say that, the person who's right beside you. Mm -hmm. My guess is Dot. Mm. Dot's having a hard time, and that type of emotional reaction to me symbolizes like a close friendship like it wouldn't feel appropriate if it was like martha or some of the other girls that she doesn't have as close of a connection with so i'm wondering if it's dot and if it goes back to just some of the struggles that we're seeing dot have granted fatten's threshold is pretty high in terms of like how she's worked through a lot of things with leah so part of me also thinks maybe she's just done with old fatten Actually, that, that's a good take on it, right? Like, she's done with that kind of previous person she was. I think Dodd is a good take on it, too, though. Um, because Dot and Fatten have really shouldered a lot of weight of things. Mm. And so if Dot really took a step back, might put extra burden on Fatten. 
I think there's a couple of other places that we see um, Dot throughout this. Number one of those is she's sitting um, on a rock and everyone's looking up and it really reminded me of the X-Files. It's like, what are they looking at in the sky? Um, but she has Martha's head in her lap, which is kind of an interesting one because I know we talked about this a little bit when we were doing our duos episode, but Dot and Martha don't have a lot of scenes together. They don't have a lot of the same sort of rapport connection building as other girls have. We do see a little bit of that start to build at the end of season one, in particular, the way that like Dot is checking in with Martha and that, that kind of connection to the idea of being the cause of something passing, right? Like between, we, we feel like Dot saw some parallels with Tim and then the goat and et cetera. And so like maybe that really forges a bond between them. And so I think that would be kind of like interesting to see and interesting to see that, that continued um, relationship to build. But Martha does not look good. No, and before we get into Martha, I just want to know, when they're carrying a girl across the body of water. Yeah, I have no idea what that I, is. I feel like it looks like it's Dot, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I have no idea. Stressed. <laughs> I'm stressed. Looks like it looks like it's it's almost similar in the way that it was Jeanette. Like it's like the same thing. And so but I do I feel like they're just trying to make me feel like something bad happened again. But you've seen Dot in the Bunker. Yeah, when I'm more Oh yeah, okay, phew. <laughs> in my head I'm like spiraling. I'm like, Leah said the number is subject to change. And it's like, oh right, I do know that the dot's alive. Okay, phew. There's a couple of things um, that were released sort of like with the trailer and then, or not with the trailer, with the teaser. And then also with the trailer um, where it seems like maybe Martha has like a little bit of feeling she needs to work through that sort of like flip in relationship that happened with Shelby, right? Whereas like Martha and Shelby really had that built relationship and Tony was kind of on the outs. But now with Tony and Shelby sort of being an item, that kind of flip where Martha maybe feels like she's being a little bit excluded from that or a little bit excluded from that triangle trio 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 <laughs> trio is the word yeah well and it's interesting because i should have watched the short little teasers and prep of this i didn't today and i'm feeling like that's a real deficit in my perspective now but isn't there one where tony says to martha you're like a warrior now yeah i mean it's interesting because it's that internal versus external struggle where like martha is being interpreted by tony as a warrior which like has the connotation of being really strong and tough and resilient and all those adjectives you associate but we know, at least from season one, and we've theorized that internally, maybe not so warrior-esque. Yeah, well, there's there's a scene in this trailer, too, where Martha says to Tony, you deserve every good thing in the world. And it's something about the way she says it that makes me feel like, you know, she is saying it genuinely to Tony, but makes me question if she also believes the same for herself. And so, you know, she's giving that sort of grace to Tony and that sort of love to Tony. But I think that's really Martha's biggest hurdle is she doesn't feel that she deserves those things. And so she diminishes her own self-worth in that. And like, I think that's her biggest battle. And that's like a thing that she really needs to tackle on the island. And that I really hope she's going to work on and tackle in season two. Well, and it's so important to the Tony and Martha duo because they each see the opposite things in each other. So Tony sees Martha as someone like so strong and really tries to challenge and push her. And Martha sees Tony as someone who's like so soft and they kind of see different versions of each other and trying to push them towards that direction. And I do hope that that relationship can stay strong despite the hurdles that might come up with season two. Well, they're the two people on the island who know the most complete versions of the other because 
I guess other than Nora and Rachel, because they're the people who were closest friends, right? And so they have like a very intimate knowledge of like kind of the strengths and weaknesses of the other person. Um, and I'm really excited for Martha to have a great storyline because we didn't really get to hear her story until the end of season one. She didn't really get that time to grow and shine like Dot did or like Rachel did throughout the season. And so I'm hoping for that opportunity for her in season two because that is what I want for her. The only other piece I want to talk a bit about with regards to the rest of the girls is what I perceive as kind of throwaway distraction lines from both Shelby and Tony. So Shelby says to Fatten, we're not alone here. Hmm. And Tony, seemingly in the bunker, says we could hear them, but we couldn't see them. I think they're both red herrings. Like, I think the implication there is that the boys are on the same island, but I think that would be irresponsible from an experiment perspective. Right. And it also goes against what Leah said in terms of there being two islands in her monologue. You also have Mountaineer Rachel climbing mountains. You don't think she would have seen other people on a beach on the island if they existed? Yeah. Don't try to trick me, Shelby and Tony. I'm on to you. Yeah, no, I think I think they're supposed to trick us. I think, like, the we're not alone here can also, like, apply to someone who's not doing well. And so you have other people that you can rely on and build from. And I think, I don't know, maybe there's, like, things in the woods. And that's what Tony's hearing but can't see. That's exactly what I wrote. Oh, so, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> for, for what I think Shelby is saying... I wrote friendship (laughs) (laughs) or maybe that she's starting to believe Leah's suspicions yeah that's fair too and for Tony I wrote animals (laughs) because we heard wolves yeah last season yeah we did that's true I think maybe then it's it's time to shift on to talking a little bit about the very brief clips of the boys that we saw so Alex on the plane yes So first of all, I thought initially when I saw him that he was in a totally different uniform and I was spiraling. In my head, I thought he looks like he's in the military. This is the ruse for how they're getting the boys there. It makes so much sense. It's gendered. I was so excited, but he's actually wearing the exact same thing. I really liked this theory. I know. I went back. But the thing is, is that when... We saw him on the plane with Martha and Martha's dream sequence. He was more dressed like a flight attendant slash pilot. And so that was what was in my head. And I was like, he's wearing something different. I got really, really excited. No, he's wearing the same thing. Oh, I really liked that theory because I thought there'd be like different reasons because the girls are on this like feminism retreat. But you'd assume the reason that parents gender would send boys would be different, right? Right. Oh, shoot. And I thought it really tied well with, like, Gretchen's military connections, too, because that's definitely, like, an undercurrent. Yes. And he looks different. He just looks different. Yeah, There's he something... looks a bit more sly, I think. Yeah, but maybe what it is is maybe that's it. Like, similarly, I just always associate what he's wearing on the plane with Martha's dream sequence, which is yeah. interesting that he's in a traditional flight attendant uniform for Martha's dream sequence, but it's different than what he's actually wearing on the plane. I will say, though, there are... Two other exciting things about Alex on the plane. First one is if you look at Alex on the plane and you hit your space bar and you pause it right away, when he's carrying the cakes on the left and right side, you can see blue notebooks. So kind of Dawn of Eve-esque. It looks like they're notebooks. They have like something gold embossed. It could just be menus because it does look like approximately the length of what the word menu would look like. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to read into it and say that it's like maybe a similar kind of branded-esque style 
retreat of some sort. The other piece I will say is that on Alex's cart, there are nine pieces of cake, not eight. We got another confederate in our midst. At least, or another perisher. Yeah, which brings up a lot of really, really, really dark theories. We see a scene where the boys are on the beach and they're kind of standing in a circle. And it's very reminiscent of the scene that we saw of the girls on the, like the first time that we panned back to Gretchen right after they had buried Lynn. And, the, you know, the sand's kind of sunk a little bit in the middle. And so maybe there's a body missing or they've just buried someone. But it brings up a lot of like really terrible questions for me because if you're going to run this experiment and you're going to have them as a control group, the problem was always that you can't compare the two groups without Lynn. Because if one of them has a confederate and the other one doesn't, it totally changes the entirety of the experiment. And so it brings up some scary questions about, you know, did Gretchen always intend for Lynn to die? We've always kind of assumed that like Lynn died from her injuries from falling off the dock but what if there was like another layer to that which is one angle of it the other potential angle on it is did Gretchen kill the other confederate to mirror the girl's experiment well I think it goes it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the amount of intervention that the experiment has had and whether or not it's about keeping them even and how much of it is to accommodate for Gretchen's fuck-ups well, in, in a lot of ways, like having someone die on day one was so important because it really underlined, like I said earlier, the severity, the severity of being on the island. On the other hand, we keep forgetting about it. <laughs> yeah, on the other hand, it's like, who's Lynn? Except we don't forget about we it. We will never no, forget. We will never forget about it. The other thing I just want to say quickly about the manufacturing of similar experiences between the boys and the girls' islands is there is a scene where you see two of the boys on the beach kind of helping each other up and go through. And it makes me wonder, it looks very reminiscent to the Martha Shelby ankle situation. Yeah. And if they made similar strides with the boys to you know, give them a physical injury in the way that they did Martha or like break Shelby's flipper in the way that they did to Shelby. Right. Cause that's always been the question is those injuries, there wasn't an actual fucking plane crash. So like for those injuries, they literally had to hurt Martha's ankle and to have broken Shelby's flipper. So there's, there's meaning behind those things. And we've talked about how like Martha's ankle being injured may have, it mimics her early injury on the trampoline and, and Shelby's, it really like makes her question kind of that, that idea of perfection that she holds. So you would assume there's going to be similar injuries. Once again, underlining the severity of what happened. And also like no one's going to believe if everyone, there's a plane crash and no one's injured, everyone's fine. We also see a little bit of like a scene too where one of the boys looks like he's swimming out and his face is kind of sunburned. So you would assume it's not happening on day one when they've just crashed. And so I'm wondering if that's going to like mirror to Rachel swimming out to find the black box. Mm. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about the boys coming into this very female centric show. And I think the trailer helped me feel a little bit better about it because it did seem, at least per the trailer, that a lot of the times when they showed the boys, it was in contrast or comparison to the girls. For example, in the season one trailer, you saw a lot from the girls' backstories. And part of that is they wanted to keep it a little bit under wraps of what the actual show was about and how much of it also occurred on the island. But I don't think there is a single story of the boys' backstory as part of the trailer. But there are backstories. They all have backstories. 
no, I know that. But what I'm telling you is that it made me feel a little bit better that it wasn't like a huge central part of the season two mm. trailer. And that it makes me feel like hopefully the girls' narratives or the milestones are at least privileged, even if the screen time allocation isn't quite the same. Be Just because that wasn't a big focus of the trailer was like fully kind of flesh out the guys' characters. But maybe that will change. It brings up the question, and it's a big question for me, is how they're going to kind of juggle the difference in stories between the girls and the boys. Because we're coming in with the girls who have been there for real long time, weeks and weeks and weeks. We're coming in at a totally different portion of their story, whereas they're going to try and back us up to the plane crash with the boys, right? And so really like backstepping and centering. So they're, they're stories that are happening almost at two different life stages or like group stages for, for the people on the island. And so how they're going to kind of juggle those narratives in a way that makes sense because direct comparisons are hard when you're working with groups that are four or five weeks apart sort of in where they are in their journey. Also, what the fuck is the open trap door? The bunker door in the ground. With the fronds. Yeah, with the fronds. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Yeah, but the frogs are placed there too precariously. Mm. It kind of feels like pit parallels. Like it feels like a little bit of like a parallel to the to the pit, except differently. I'm interested if it goes anywhere, if it's just a confined space, and maybe they do find resources in there, and maybe the girls just never found theirs. Um, Because it does seem like the boys are exploring the woods a little bit more. There's some interesting stuff that happens. Like you can already see in the trailer around the way that they're going to compare the girls and the boys islands. There's obviously um, this concept of masculinity that exists as a part of like the boys portion of the story. And you can already see a little bit in, you know, the boys have like made spears. It's very like Lord of the Flies-esque and are assumingly going hunting. Whereas so much of like the girl's story was really centered around gathering in a different way, right? Like they're going and trying to find edible plants that their teacher talked about in their like about backyard plants. They're collecting berries. They have the mussels. It's like a different sort of approach to survival. There also seems to be a little bit of a, con- a contrast that's going on between like cooperation versus competition. The girls in particular really focus on cooperation, except for a few sort of like spikes that happen a little bit in there with like Fatten and Rachel and stuff. But it seems that there's a little bit more of an antagonistic sort of competition that goes on with the boys. Personally, I think they're going to use the weird ground bunker as like a place to lock people when they're being outrageous. That's my my okay. secret. <laughs> That's my secret back pocket theory. There's uh, we watched Yellow Jackets too over the break um, and loved it. And maybe we'll talk about it another time. But there's this sense in Yellow Jackets where everything is really purpose driven. And so someone has to have a purpose. They have to be contributing. And we talk about that in season one a little bit with the girls. But it I don't there's this undercurrent that it's more prevalent with the boys. And so there's there's more of a prevalence of like carrying your weight and and doing those things to like make everyone survive, except it's not really it's almost like survival of the fittest. And so it's less of a we as a group need to survive and more that I individually need to survive. Well, and it's it's interesting because that does come up with Fatten in particular, and it does come to a head. But the solution is that there's like a chore chart, they create a chore wheel, right? And then they kind of come together. And it's interesting because there's lots of theories around like group development. One of them is like from the 60s, and it's forming, storming, norming, performing. Um, but anyways, but it's interesting because like basically it means that like groups kind of go through phases and they go through stages in terms of harmony. And so the girls kind of get to this point where they've really harmonized those relationships and moved along that continuum. 
But the boys, it seems at least right now, and at least Gretchen's overlay of thinking about that the things really broke down or, or something like that, is that maybe they stayed a little bit too long in the storming phase. And I think the narrative that's spoken, the other monologue that's spoken in the trailer talks about that. I just want to read it here. We all started wanting to be things, wanted to be men. But the truth is, some of us were becoming monsters. And it's an interesting parallel to the conversation Tony had with Shelby. When Tony says, you know, you're free here, we're on an island, we're a million miles away. That was kind of the moment, but it was on day whatever when they kind of realized that they could be who they wanted to be. But that came second to kind of coming together and trying to focus on survival. Which is like, it's great, right? It's like, who are you in this moment? And like, who do you become in this moment? And so for a lot of the girls, they're learning to become less individualistic and more focused around sort of the needs of the group. And it seems like the opposite might be happening with the boys. However, I also want to say great parallel to Shelby. I think that's fantastic. There's also a parallel to Leah, though, because we hear Leah talk about monsters in season one, if you remember. It's a part of one of her bunker talks. She talks about there being a monster and nobody believes her. And so this concept of what a monster is and what a monster looks like, I think is going to be something that we really unpack and unwrap in this season. I also want to say, Ali spoke about how the boys were creating spheres. I just want you to pause on the trailer. Yeah, I have some spear feelings, but I'm sure I'll get into them later. Yeah, we'll see. I have some indigenous spear fear. I have some feelings. (laughs) Yeah. So like spoiler cro- for I season like cross, two. Of the I like, yeah, I like crossed my arms and like looked down. I have some feelings. Sorry, go ahead, talk about the spears. Well, I just want to say, go back, look at it, and look at Miles's character's spears, and it, it has little jewels on it. It's little, it's little jewel. Yeah, I have some feelings. I'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, but yeah, mostly the boys, like we, because we have a little bit more narrative background on the girls, we have just like a little bit more to work with with them. Um, and to be able to build off and theorize. Like, I think we're still very early in the stages of understanding sort of the boys' story. So other than kind of like those pieces, I don't have a lot to go other than there's like a lot of like physical fighting that it seems like happens. Which Lots really, of shirts off. Yeah. And like shoving people up against trees or like tackling them in the water. And like, I'm like, okay, so this is going to be a very different vibe than like, what ocean party day is that what we called the day when they all got high and sat in a circle yeah ocean party day yeah and that's not to say that there weren't those instances like certainly there were um but always massive fires the girls never built a fire that big that's just saying (laughs) we see a lot of scenes in the bunker which are a bit different than the scenes we've ever previously seen so if you'll remember from the end of season one All of the big screens in the sort of main viewing room were always focused on the girls and Leah only found all the scenes from the boys in this weird room down a hall, very small, little screens, lo-fi definition. (laughs) And so that really fed into these theories that it was a past experiment or it was something that had already happened. The narrative or the sort of vision is kind of seems like has changed in this through the trailer. Um, We see a lot of sort of like side by side comparison views on the screens. Um, And we see a little bit of flashes of our favorite little research team, which is Gretchen, Tom. I don't know if we see Susan. Well, we're going to talk about it. But do we? And obviously, Audrey. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about this aside from what a delight it is to see Gretchen after all this time wearing, at least in one shot, her pendant necklace. It's a key theory of ours. So, hello, Gretchen. Nice to see you. 
The only other piece I really wanted to talk about is you can see Agent Dan in the background of a scene and his hair is longer, which I think signals time passing. I mean, I don't know what I was doing. I just get so into the research that I don't take notes. So all I really wrote about it was his hair's longer. Time has passed. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they're having to be on the island more um, to kind of maybe control the experiment. There's a lot of variables in this, like everything from Rachel losing her hand in a shark attack to when they all got food poisoning on the beach. And so it's a hard experiment to be totally hands off in and for people not to die. Yeah. Well, we knew that they had prepared for the food poisoning. They had a code for it, right? Yeah. So certainly they've done some preparation for these situations, but I don't think they've accounted for everything. Gretchen also has a hair change. At one point, her hair is significantly shorter. I don't think she got a haircut mid-season. I think um, there were rumblings that we might get a Gretchen flashback. And so I'm hoping that that's what that is. When she's wearing the white. Yeah, her hair well, it's is... different. it's a different style for her, yeah. too. Normally, she dresses in dark clothes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. There's I also... Cry. <laughs> There's also um, a couple of scenes where we see someone standing with their back to the camera and i think it's nora i'm sorry for my volume we initially did think it was nora no not initially i still think it's nora i think it's susan it could be susan originally i was like it can't be susan there's no way it could be susan and then i walked myself back and i was like i guess it could be susan we were in google images looking at like the (laughs) pictures of susan yeah like it was yeah it was we went we went deep here I, I don't think it's Susan because I think what's going to happen is we're going to see that person from the back a bunch of times. I think there's sort of a softness to the way that Audrey comes and puts her hand on that person's shoulder while they're watching the screen. Um, and I think like there's something about the way the person is dressed. So it's sort of in like a long sleeve shirt with like a t-shirt over top. That's very reminiscent of the way that Nora always dresses on the island. She always has longer sleeve shirts on and then like short sleeve tops over top. So there's something in there that feels like Nora. And so I've always been a big proponent that we're going to spend the season or the majority of the season thinking that Nora's dead. And we're going to get like a three second at the very end, like, oh, Nora's not dead. Like, and has secretly been in with Gretchen the entire time. So I'm still holding on to it. I think it's Nora. See, the only thing, I mean, I don't think it's Nora. I think it's Susan. I know Susan from the back. What no, no, you don't. Yeah, I do. I just know. I know Susan. Susan and I were not so different. Susan and I. There's no reason to do two scenes of Susan. No, but no, but I'm not done yet. All right. I think that Audrey puts her hand on Gretchen because when I watched it in zero that person point, has dark hair. No, when I watched it in zero point two five speed, I saw glints of golds in mm. the hair coloring. Glints of gold. So I think it's Gretchen. I think it's like Audrey being like, "Sorry about your experiment, Gretchen." Pat, pat. I don't think so. I think it's Nora. All right. I feel really confident. I bet you five whole dollars. Five dollars. Done. Great. Please remind us of this. Yeah, please remind us of this. Now, Allie, I don't disagree with you that we see Nora in the trailer. Because we do see Nora in the trailer. Oh, yeah. In the water. We do. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like we see her when she's being extracted, when Rachel's providing that voiceover. It's around the minute eight second mark. And Rachel's talking about, she's gone. It's my fault. And it looks like Nora is being carried out by someone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, like, you can't really see. It's very dark. But it doesn't look like she's being carried out by one of the girls. It looks like she's being extracted from somebody else. Or physically at least moved out Mm -hmm. of the situation, not lost at sea. I don't think she's dead. 
I don't think she's dead either. I'm just saying I don't think. <laughs> I think it's Susan and then Gretchen, not Nora and Nora. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, one of us will be five whole dollars richer at the end of the season, hopefully. Looking forward to taking <laughs> your five dollars. <laughs> I always lose bets. I don't want to be five dollars poorer. We also see sort of continued interviews from both the boys and the girls. Um, so really like going into that theory that we'll see a lot of interviews with the boys as well. I'm interested if the interviewers will be the same. We talked a lot about the power dynamics of having like two men interviewing like Leah and stuff. And so will it be both Dan and Dean or will it be someone different? I don't know. My mind is blown <laughs> right now. I'm like thinking about it from like a research design perspective being like, oh, how would you mirror those similar like yeah. power dynamics? and that yeah. like line of questioning because the way like so many of the ways is like good cop bad cop and like the yeah. gross paternalism that often they're questioned with and like the ways in which that's reinforced by some of their actions oh i'm excited there's not much else kind of about the experiment sort of in there it's just a few sort of brief kind of flashes that we get yeah the only other thing i will say is that there are three people that run up the stairs i think gretchen is oh, one yeah. of them and i think she's and where in are the, the stairs we've never seen stairs in the bunker so what is the what's the deal but yeah, I think, I mean, I can't even believe that we talked about a minute and 30 seconds for so long. But I think that's the end of sort of our, I don't know, like our excitement analysis theories. Well, it's interesting because I thought it would be a useful activity in preparation for this trailer episode to look at the amount of content that we've created as a podcast and then create a ratio or a proportion between that amount of content and the length of the show as a model for how long the trailer is relative to how long we should talk about it for. Unfortunately, I think it's like 30 hours of podcast relative to like eight or nine hours of show, which is like, you know, let's reduce it to a three to one ratio, which meant that our podcast could only be six minutes. I was like, where are you going with this? Uh, mostly we were just really excited we missed all of you a lot and we missed uh being able to talk about this show so we just got really excited and we are so sorry but we hope you laughed yeah we hope that you're okay with it being like a little bit longer than six minutes yeah um the last thing that we just wanted to kind of finish off before we do an outro with was uh the question of what are we excited about based on the trailer do you want to take it first, Rachel? I'm happy to take it first. I think I'm excited about it all, honestly. I think if I'm reflecting back on our recording and things I've gotten the most excited about, I think I'm still particularly excited about the experiment. And I'm really glad that they've kind of doubled down on that experiment. Even if you take a look at the description in the trailer about season two, it talks a lot about the experiment in that description. Now, I was really worried that that was going to become out of focus for some reason, but it does seem like it's still going to be quite centered on that. And so as somebody that loves experiments, that's something I'm particularly looking forward to. And I can't wait to go through it all with you, honey, as well as um, with the folks that listen to this podcast. For sure. What I'm, are you excited yeah, about? I'm most excited for Martha. I've really like, I've really drilled down and Dot. I think, I think Martha and Dot are the people that I'm most excited about seeing what this arc is going to look like for them. I just have like a buzz around me about it. And I think we only get these little itsy bitsy tidbits throughout the course of the trailer, but it's enough to kind of make me feel that excited. Um, and so I'm really excited to see like where that journey is going to go. And I'm excited for us to go to the fucking woods. Like they should have gone a million years ago. And with that, we've come full circle. Yeah, so I will take us out. Thank you everyone for listening, for joining us, for hopefully coming back or joining us if you're new. 
Uh, we're very excited to be able to shout, scream, yell, theorize, be excited about this season with you all. Feel free to reach out and connect with us on social media, um, Out in the Wilds podcast, on both Tumblr and Twitter and Instagram. We have a Gmail too. You can send <laughs> yeah. us an email. I mean, you can send us an email. <laughs> um, but that'll all be in the description. Um, and have a great rest of your week. See you in, like, see you in May. See you in a month. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.